Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, episode 137. What it takes to earn a reputation as a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hey there, Pam. As always, it's great to be joining you again for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio. And as always, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of game-changing innovation, growth, and success. Now, Pam, it's one thing to want to change the game as we talk about, but you know, it's really something else to earn a reputation as a game changer. Yes. It requires not only visionary thinking, but the ability to bring people together in new ways and create an environment that enables them to make big things happen. Now, not just once, but on a sustained basis year after year. Yeah, That's why we're pleased to be having a conversation today with the visionary CEO of a company that has been doing exactly that. He is Ari Ravetz, CEO of Organica Water Incorporated. Organica is a global provider of innovative biological wastewater treatment solutions. Ari has nearly 20 years of experience in finance, corporate strategy, marketing, and public and private equity investing. Before joining Organica, Ari was head of water private equity investments for RNK Capital, a pioneering environmental investment firm. In addition to serving as chairman of the board of Organica, Ari has served on the board of various other portfolio companies in the water sector. He holds a Bachelor of Business Administration degree from the George Washington University and an MBA degree from Yale University School of Management. You can read much more about Ari by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 137. Now, Organica Water has won multiple awards over the years. This has earned them a reputation as game changers in their industry. Most recently, the New Jersey chapter of the Association for Corporate Growth selected Organica to be honored with a Corporate Growth Award. And Ari will receive the award on behalf of Organica and participate on a CEO panel at the 2018 ACG New Jersey Corporate Growth Conference and Awards on May 8th, 2018. Ari, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. So tell us a bit about your own leadership journey and what led you to become CEO of Organica Water. Sure. So I, I've spent most of my career with emerging and kind of growth companies. Um, when I graduated from college, I spent about a year trying to start my own internet business. And then I spent the next four or five years working in the enterprise software industry um, for venture capital and private equity backed companies that were both public and uh, private. And after working uh, in the startup world for a while, I went back to business school to get my MBA. And when I graduated from business school, I had a lot of debt. So I had to go work for a bank to, to pay back the mm -hmm. debt. Yeah. Um, so, so I worked for Bank of America Securities as an equity analyst there. And I really got interested in energy and the environment. 
um, I actually worked on the team that covered the oil and gas companies, um, many of which were doing fracking for the first time in the U.S., which right. is a tech- technique to get natural gas out. And what a lot of people don't know about fracking is that it really pollutes the water environment. And so I started to get really interested in water as an environmental issue and uh, left Bank of America to work in private equity for a fund that focused on water and water technology investing. And at, at that fund, one of the first investments we made was in organic water. Um, so I was involved uh, as an investor in the very early uh, Series A financing round for the company. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was just a 10-person startup. And after a few years of doing it as an investor, I decided to leave private equity and move from New York City uh, to Budapest, Hungary, which is where Organica was originally started, and, uh, and run the business there. So it was started in what year? Organica's actually been around for almost 20 years. It was started wow. in 1998. It, it's, it's not the most innovative industry. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it takes a while. And, and so it started in 98 in Hungary by an architect and a wastewater engineer. They, they had been boyhood friends from grade school, elementary school. Um, and the whole idea uh, from the very beginning was if you can combine a new architectural concept uh-huh. for a wastewater treatment plant with a efficient treatment technology, then you can really change the game. So building on that, uh, tell us a little bit more about Organica Water's mission and what sets you apart in your industry. You say it's an old industry, but Organica is different. Absolutely. Our mission is at its core to change the way people think about wastewater treatment from something that should be as far away from where I live as possible to something that they're comfortable having right in their own backyard. That's really uh, our mission as a company. If you look at a, a treatment plant that leverages our technology, it looks like a garden. Um, uh-huh. And you know, it's a beautiful, odor-free, botanical garden that you wouldn't even realize if you drove past it on your way to work or school that it was treating wastewater. We have uh, more than 100 of these plants all over the world, and they treat wastewater at a much, much lower cost because you don't need to bring the wastewater away from where you live to some remote location and treat it. Uh, you know, Most of the right. wastewater treatment plants in the world are these ugly, smelly things, right? right. Yes. Yeah. So if you make it more attractive, you can reduce the distance, and that cuts the cost of sewerage. Yeah, 90% of the cost of treating a gallon of wastewater is in the pipes. Wow. Only huh. 10%. Only 10% is the treatment process. Um, so, you know, you look at like, where most of the private equity money or the R&D money from big corporates has gone, it all goes into that treatment process, and they're only solving 10% of the problem. Wow. The other 90% is the fact that we build these ugly, smelly things and nobody wants to live near them, <laughs> you know, and, and then we're, we all populate in a community. We want to live close to each other and land value goes up right. and nobody wants to put a wastewater plant there. So we have to, we create all the waste there, right? So we have to bring it out, out of the city, out of the community. And that costs a lot of money and Organica flips that idea upside down and basically That's says great. you can do it, you know, in your backyard. So what do you see as the challenge of accomplishing your company's mission? Um, so the, the first 10 years, the company was, was purely a Hungarian company. 
And then when I got involved with the business first as an investor, and then you know almost eight years ago as the CEO, um, we started marketing the technology outside of Hungary to the rest of the planet. And, and the challenge everywhere is changing a paradigm that has been in place for a hundred years, which is, mm-hmm. you know, if if you go to school and you're taught to design a wastewater treatment plant, you're taught to design a big, smelly civil structure and you're taught not to care about what it looks like and to locate it pretty far away from, from the community. And, and, you know, everywhere we go, we have to change that behavior dynamic. We have to get people to think about the economic benefits, the societal benefits and the social benefits of having that happen closer to where we live and work. So it's a real cultural shift all the way around for a variety of stakeholders, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, and there's, there's a lot of good reasons to do it. Um, from, from an economic perspective, um, you save all that money on the pipes. Uh, you can protect the land value. Uh, about half of our business is actually taking an old plant and converting it into this beautiful oasis. And, and when you do that, you see a significant uptick in the land value. Uh, so that's also something that, that's a good driver for it. And then uh, one of the, the biggest ones most recently, I don't know if you've read it all about what's, what's happening in Cape Town, South Africa, but they're running out of water. They have no right. water. They're going to mm-hmm. shut the taps off you know, in July. And they have this great source of water in their wastewater treatment plants, not to drink or consume, because only 2% of water is actually potable, is actually consumed by people. Right. But for air conditioning, for irrigation, for cooling, for manufacturing, today we use drinking water for that stuff. The same water we drink, we're using for all those other purposes. Right. And that's just not economic. And it, you know, when you have water scarcity issues, it's not sustainable in the long run. So um, by putting treatment closer to where we live, you can really change that dynamic and recycle the wastewater for cooling or irrigation or all these non-potable purposes. Uh, And that's a big part Mm -hmm. of what we do as a company. So you're really about making the world a better place. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's one of our core values is what we call impact. And it's not just about one plant, but it's about really spreading this idea and this concept so that you know, the next generations, you know, my kids, grandkids, um, you know, will live in a world that's, you know, a lot more sustainable and has a much better kind of, um, you know, carbon footprint and climate impact uh, than the world we live in today. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Ari Ravitz, CEO of Organica Water, about lessons he learned for shaping a culture that earned his company a reputation as a game changer. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We're on the web at businessadvance.com, and we enable successful companies to accelerate to their next level of game-changing innovation and growth. We'd like to welcome our many new listeners. If you're not already subscribed to our Growth Igniters community, you can get even more value by signing up. You'll receive reminders of our new bi-weekly podcasts, along with a link to a page filled with all kinds of resources. And on off weeks, you'll receive a Growth Igniters post, which is about a two-minute read. 
Go to growthignitersradio.com and click the red Sign Up Now button at the top right of the page to subscribe. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Scott and I are talking today with Ari Ravitz, CEO of Organica Water, about how he and his company have earned a reputation for being game changers. Ari, how can people find out more about you and your company? The best way is uh, use the internet. So our website is www.organicawater.com. That's organic with an A, water, all one word. Uh, on our website, mm-hmm. we have case studies, videos, and we even have a design software that you can use if you're in the industry to see what one of our treatment plants would look like for your particular case and, or application. And you can find out more also in the resources section for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com and selecting episode 137. Ari, we were talking before the break about the tremendous paradigm shift that had to take place in terms of how people thought about wastewater treatment. What was the epiphany that led you to realize that uh, for Organica to earn a reputation as a game changer, the culture of your organization would need to transform? I think... um it's always been an innovative culture uh, from the very start um, in terms of, you know, thinking about wastewater treatment in a totally different way. But it wasn't until I sat down across from a couple of potential customers and I saw the kind of stone wall that, that stood there with, you know, decades and decades of conservative decision making in this industry uh, and how reticent they were to try new approaches to things that I realized in order for us to be successful and to really disrupt and change this industry, uh, we were going to have to have innovation as kind of core DNA for the company from, you know, bottom to top uh, mm-hmm. and, and build the team that way. So how did you decide uh, which cultural characteristics you had to focus on if the organization was was going to meet that transformational change? So we actually went through a process um, about four years ago where we surveyed the team. And uh, we asked the team what core values they felt should be present and were present in in their teammates. Uh, We call employees organicans. Um, So we have a Uh kind of (laughs) unique word that we use to describe Uh everybody at the company. And so we said, what is it that makes an organic? And we went through this process and it was amazing because we had so many common answers and we were able to kind of group them together and ultimately come up with, you know, a set of core values that really define what we look for in a person uh, who's going to join the company. And obviously a lot of those are around innovation. A lot of times when companies are going through transformation, surprises can pop up. Was there anything that surprised you along the way? There were some surprises in terms of, as we started to implement communication and frequent communication about these values across the team, it, it started to bubble up to the surface that certain people within the team just didn't fit into that. And, you know, there were a few people that had been with the company for quite a while that, 
you know, just weren't really fitting into that culture and, and didn't have, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you need a certain kind of flexibility to be able to drive this kind of change. And, um, right. you know, so, so there were some things that were, were kind of surprising, um, you know, in terms of people that just didn't fit that you might've thought would have fit. Well, that frequently is the case. You've got a lot of different people with a lot of different points of view and everyone has to come together to make the transformation work. Absolutely. Just to build on that, I mean, I think diversity is something we really embrace. It's actually one of those core values. So we like diverse viewpoints, but we Uh need people to be flexible. You know, if you're going to innovate, you have to be able to change. And I've once um, read a definition of a startup. What, What is a startup company? And a lot of people think of a startup as like a young business. They define it by the size of the company. We actually define what a startup is by our culture. And yeah. what we, we say is that if you're trying to introduce something new, there's going to be uncertainty. You're going to be living right. in mm-hmm. a world of uncertainty, right? So right, right. the way you adapt to that uncertainty is what determines if you succeed or you fail. And the way you adapt is your team, right? And, and do you have the right team that's flexible enough that can adapt and on the fly to be able to figure out whatever's needed to introduce that innovation to your industry? Oh, absolutely. You are you are singing from the same songbook. We are we are right with you on this. Now, I understand that you uh, refer to a culture of systemic innovation. Can you tell us what you mean by that? It means that it's okay to make mistakes. I think that's the biggest thing. So, you know, if you are trying something new and you're trying to introduce something new into an industry, you're going to fail. Failure is part of the process. Right. Um, and to build a, a company, I think, that can, that can innovate and succeed in introducing something new, you have to accept that fact. And that's easier said than done. Uh, because it means you have to create a culture where people feel that it's okay to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's okay to fail. And the key is, do we learn from it, right? Can we systematically document what we've learned from it and then scalably implement that in the organization so that we don't make the same mistake twice and we keep learning and we keep getting better until eventually we're successful at what we uh, are set out to achieve? Absolutely. It's what we refer to, Ari, as a as an experimental mindset. And so you're not failing, you're, you're doing experiments, learning from them and iterating on them. And that's very exciting. So at Organica, we always say that it's better to ask forgiveness than it is to ask permission. Okay. So um, that means, you know, we hire people because they're smart, because they're innovative, and we want them to try new things. We want, we don't want them to kind of sit around and wait for a manager to say, okay, do that, but you know, give it a shot. And you know, if you make a mistake, that's okay. Tell us what you learned, and you know, then we move on to the next thing. Um, it's, I, I think you know, to be able to be fast and learn quickly, you have to have that kind of culture, and you have to build that in top down um, so that everyone understands that it's okay to you know, embrace failure like that. Now, one of the things that we've found uh, all over and over is that when you have this culture and this value of everybody's an innovator, everybody is coming up with ideas and experimenting, one of the things that leadership really has to manage very carefully is how do you have that distributed innovation and yet have a coordinated outcome so that people aren't banging into each other or countervening each other? 
Absolutely. And it, it's just one, one, one of the main ingredients there. And look, that's a challenge we face every day and we continue to face it and we continue to, to, to fight against it. And we have a, a pretty geographically dispersed team too. Um, so, you know, that always adds to, to the, these elements. I think that the frequency and consistency of communication is just critical when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big business process person and you know, we, we, from the early days, even when it was 20 employees, um, eight years ago, when I uh, became the CEO of the company, um, we put business processes in place where we have frequent communication, transparency of information, and repetitiveness so that as we add more people in different geographies, we're repeating the same things over and over again. And that's actually pounding that message home. So process isn't a four-letter word for you. <laughs> no. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely you can innovate not. with process. So Yay. there you go. Well, we agree with you on that as <laughs> yes, well. Yes, absolutely. So, how did you nurture the trust? I mean, it takes a lot to have the transparency. It's one thing to say it. A lot of people say we're transparent. You've done it. What did you do to help people to feel that trust with each other? I think the biggest thing is consistency. So, for example, we have a weekly email, um, which is kind of like almost like a newsletter that goes out to all the employees of the company every single week. And what it is is really um, a collection of inputs from the various department heads and leaders on what their main accomplishments were for the week. So each of them kind of sends that information into our COO and he kind of compiles that, sends it to me, I add some to it. But every week they're getting consistent information. We're following up on things and we're being you know, very transparent in terms of both wins and losses, successes and failures. And that's always there. That's like an, an anchor point that people can come back to. Um, another thing that we do is every Monday morning, uh, we ask our salespeople, our project managers, engineers not to travel on Mondays. And we have a video meeting across all the geographies where we coordinate the main issues for the week. And um, that's also a, a pretty consistent thing where every week of the year, except maybe you know Christmas and one week in August, we don't have it. Um, so that's another um, thing that's helped build trust. And we do town hall meetings. When we do the town halls, we publish the questions that everybody asks um, a week before so that everybody can see them. And that way we can't avoid the hard questions. And uh, we just have these meetings and, you know, we answer the questions as best we can with as much transparency as we can. And um, I think all of those things go to build trust, but it, it just it takes a lot of patience and consistency to get there. So what are you most proud of since you've been leading the transformation for Organica Water to be a game changer in your industry? Uh, Definitely the team, the team that we've built. You know, I I spend a lot of my time on the team and making sure we have the right people, that they're incentivized properly, that the culture is communicated um, clearly to them. And uh, it's a pretty incredible team, S- very passionate about what we do. And I think to bring this kind of change to an industry, you have to have passion. Um, and it is a really special group of people. I always say that it's not a company or a technology or a strategy or a culture that is going to determine your success or failure. You know, 80% of the the 
determination of whether you're going to succeed or not is the people, is the team. A company is really just a collection of people. Um, and so we determine our own outcomes uh, and we have to figure out what the market's telling us and adapt. We have to learn from our mistakes and adapt and, and keep adapting. Um, and this is just a really great, resilient, uh, special team that we've built. And that's why you've earned a reputation as a game changer. We are going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Ari Ravitz, CEO of Organica Water, about immediately actionable ideas for your company to earn a reputation as a game changer. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. We've been talking about what it takes to engage everyone in a company to create and bring to life game-changing innovation that brings amazing new value to the world. Along with the energy and potential this brings to a company comes the need to ensure that all of the moving parts come together for greatest effect. After all, the faster your company's transforming and growing, the more challenging it can be to ensure that everyone's visions and efforts are in sync. So that's why we've created our special assessment, five questions to ask when you need to move even faster. It's a perfect perspective builder for fast-moving C-suite leaders who need to meet current commitments and move fast enough to respond to new opportunities. Our questionnaire will help you find out where to begin to focus your energy and resources so that what should be happening in your company really is happening faster and more effectively. We've developed these questions based on our work with fast growth clients in over 30 industries. We've helped them scale faster, make innovation happen faster, and more quickly respond to new opportunities. This has generated millions of dollars in top and bottom line growth. Now you can have this resource free just for joining our Growth Igniters community. So go today to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 137. Scroll down to resources and check the link. Download five questions to ask when you need to move even faster. And to learn more about our success stories, go to businessadvance.com client results. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking with Ari Ravitz, CEO of Organica Water, about how he and his company have earned a reputation for game-changing innovation and growth. Ari, can you remind us how people can find out more about you and your company? Sure. Uh, you can visit our website, www.organicawater.com. That's organic with an A on the end, all uh, water, all one word. And check out videos, case studies, uh, lots of information out there on our website. And also, if uh, anybody is in the New Jersey area who's listening, on May 8th, you can see Ari receive his newest award by going to the Corporate Growth Conference and Awards for ACG New Jersey by going to acg.org forward slash New Jersey, and you'll see more information about the conference. 
So let's uh, talk about some of the immediately useful ideas for anybody who wants to change the game in their company to do so. Let's talk about, for instance, the kinds of messages about systemic innovation that you found to be most important to repeat in order for them to be embedded in the hearts and minds across your organization. I think there's a couple of things that companies can do uh, that are kind of immediately actionable. So one is spend more time in meetings that you don't normally go to and see how managers are speaking with the team. And what's happening if, you know, is there a blame game going on? Is there finger pointing going on? Or is it more a productive discussion around, okay, what can we learn from that? What, what happened? Why did it happen? What can we learn from it? How do we move forward from here? There's a huge contrast between those two things. And I think when we started to implement this, I had to spend a lot of time in those kind of meetings. And then other kind of senior leaders in the company started to do the same. Uh, and, and it took time for this idea to spread down across the organization that, you know what, let's, let's not point fingers. Let's focus on what we learned and how we can improve things based on that. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is once you learn it, start to develop a system for documenting it and sharing that information across the organization. So for example, we implemented something a couple of years ago called Lunch and Learn, mm -hmm. where you know, one of the one of the best ways to learn something is to teach it. And so we had different departments go through and prepare to teach the rest of the company from an experience that they had. Some experience that they had where they tried something and it didn't work the way they wanted to and, and what they mm -hmm. learned from that experience. And you know, we do that uh, once a month at a time zone where everybody can either dial in on video or attend in person. And um, it's been a great thing to help kind of spread information across the company. Okay. So what's a practical idea that you're using to reinforce your messages? Because it's one thing to say, you know, it's okay to fail. It's okay to trust. Uh, but every company goes through ups and downs. How do you reinforce those messages even when things get rough sometimes? You know, I, I think it, it's an, another one of those core values I talked about earlier that, that we have at Organica is accountability. Uh, mm -hmm. And that really starts with the senior team. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. when I, I make a mistake or, or others on the leadership team make a mistake, we have to own up to that. We have to be accountable for it. And that has to be kind of shared across the organization so that people see that, you know, this is something that um, is consistent um, from the top all the way through all parts of the organization. I think we are the example and we have to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. So the best way to do that isn't just with words, but it's, you know, with actions and, and showing those examples and using the right examples to kind of get this message across to the team. Yeah, exemplifying is by far the most impactful way of reinforcing. Absolutely. What kinds of actions would you use to exemplify this? Like, for example, in... A meeting uh, or a discussion where we're talking about, you know, a sale that we didn't close that we had expected to close. The kind of sales leader for the region would kind of take a leading role in that discussion and say, "Look, here's the we we call it a post mortem analysis. So, you know, what could I have done differently? Mm -hmm. You know, if I put myself in the shoes that I was in a month ago before the decision was made on this sale, you know." 
what actions could I have taken then that would have produced a different outcome? We take that same, those same learnings from that actual experience and we look at a deal that we're trying to close two months from now. And we say, uh-huh. okay, well, what are we doing now? You know, and picture us in a world two months from now when we, we failed. Well, what can we do differently to avoid that, right? You're talking about not just taking something that happened, but using it as a springboard for the future. You've got a globally dispersed organization. How many people are you now? Uh, we're 105 employees. Spread out all over the world. So what is it that you do with technology to bring people together? So there's two main things that we do with technology. And we, we have offices in Princeton, New Jersey, Budapest, Hungary, China, Indonesia, India. We have people in Spain and Israel. So we're really spread out. And we actually also have people in the Philippines and Vietnam. So we're, we're very spread out. So there's mm-hmm. two things that we do. Number one is we use the cloud for everything. You know, we standard, standardized on a Microsoft stack you know, many, many years ago. And so we mm-hmm. use SharePoint. And first day at the company, any employee logs in, they go to SharePoint and they see all these tiles with different departments mm-hmm. and we update information there constantly. And all the, the main files, the business processes, the news, everything is up there. And so that's our kind of technology driven medium for communication and consistency. And that's, I think, really important to do um, if, if you're spread out and if you want to kind of make sure you're sharing consistent information across those different offices or those different people. And the other thing we do is we use video. So, yeah. you know, we use we use GoToMeeting. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you can use WebEx or Zoom or, you know, there's lots of stuff right. out there. Right, right. But seeing someone is is massively different than just speaking on the phone. And it's still not the same as in person. So the other thing we do, which isn't, it's low tech, but it's, we travel more. We just spend more money on travel than, you know, most companies our size. And we do it so that people can, you know, a lot of innovation has to happen in person. And so sometimes you just get people have to travel, not for a meeting, but just to be in the office with their colleagues instead of always being on video calls. So we use video and travel um, in, in almost everything we do. So bringing people together in a variety of forms about a variety of messages and learning uh, all of these things you've been talking about are clearly important and have helped you to uh, earn that reputation as a game changer. So are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with us on this topic? Yeah, maybe just one final thought is, you know, I I don't want to make this sound easier than it is. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's (laughs) <laughs> been a long journey for us um, and and it continues every day it's a lot of hard work it can be boring repeating the same messages over and over again to different people in different places but that kind of boring repetitive work is how you keep consistency and and ultimately you know how you reinforce messages within a culture so that things can be uniform across geographies and you know across different departments in the organization and so you know, it, it is a journey continues for us, you know, every day. And uh, it, it's not not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. I think if it was easy, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody would, <laughs> right. That's true. would innovate, right? It is indeed a journey. Ari, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Ari. Your passion is clear and inspiring. And we'd like to thank all of you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. 
To check out resources related to today's conversation, share on social media, read Ari's bio, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 137. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your team. To earn a reputation as game changers in our industry, what do we have to stop doing and start doing today? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.